Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, I am looking forward to what God has for us today because his word is always life-giving. You know, when Jesus was here in his earthly ministry, it wasn't easy to follow Jesus. Sometimes he said difficult things. And there was a time when there was just a groundswell of people, crowds, multitudes were following him. But then he would have these difficult teachings. And as a result, um, people turned away. He would say things like, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, you can't have new life. And he was using all of these everyday illustrations to talk about things like dying to self. And it was directly confronting the, the sinful nature that we struggle with. It was directly confronting pride. Because pride says, I don't want to deny, I don't want to deny myself. I don't want to give up my freedoms or my privileges. I want to hold on to those things. And Jesus is saying, but unless you're willing to let go of those things, you can't really have true life. But you know, Jesus had these difficult teachings. And so as a result, crowds just left in droves. And at one point when that happened, he turned to Peter. He turned to the 12, actually, all 12 of them. And he said, are you going to go too? And Peter spoke up and he said, Lord, where else are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. In other words, your words are life-giving. Your words are renewing. Your words are refreshing. You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? And I don't know what your perception of 2017 is or was, whether it was good or difficult. But whatever 2017 held for you, I just want to encourage you, if you can keep that one perspective that Peter had, and that is, Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what my experience is, where else am I going to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. If you can apply just that one perspective going into 2018 and beyond, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. You will not regret it. Because his words are always life-giving. And he will guide and he will direct because he loves you and he wants to provide for you and he wants to bless you. Amen? So on that note, uh, we're going to look into his word this morning. And I just want to commit it all to prayer. Father, thank you for each person here. Lord, I thank you for the unique and special individuals each one of them are. And I thank you that we're able to gather together in your name because, Lord, everything is better together. Worship and prayer and fellowship. So, God, I thank you that there's richness in you. And I thank you for your blessing. And I thank you for this gift of life. And I thank you that it's all a result of your spoken word. You spoke life. You spoke the word of life. And we are here now. And because of your word, your son, the living word, our life has been restored and is being renewed day by day. And God, I pray that you would take your word that we look into today and use it to encourage our hearts, to build us up, to strengthen, to even comfort as needed. 
And so, Father, would your Holy Spirit now use our faith to make your word alive and real. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41, we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. And the scripture that we're looking at is at the tail end of his life. It's, a, it's just a window toward the latter part of his life. It's very telling, and it reveals a turning point in Joseph's life. And before we get to the turning point, I want to just remind us of Joseph's past, about his life and what took place. In case you haven't read the story or maybe not watched Prince of Egypt, I'm just going to summarize it real quick. By the way, that's a great animation. Um, I'm sorry, that was about Moses. But um, (laughs) wrong movie. (laughs) But I'm just going to give a quick summary of Joseph's life. Joseph was the youngest of 12 sons. And he was favored by his father. And because of his father's favoritism, it created great hardship for Joseph because all the other brothers were jealous. His dad would give him elaborate gifts like this coat of many colors. And all the brothers saw that he was favored and they began to dislike him. Now, that's a difficult situation when you're the youngest of 11 brothers. 11 older brothers. And it got so bad that one day they decided to sell him to slave traders. They did it. And he went off to Egypt. He got sold into slavery to Potiphar. And while he was in Potiphar's household, he did an excellent job. Potiphar's wife liked him because he was handsome and she wanted to go to bed with him. But he honored God in his heart and he said no. In fact, he ran away. And she said that he had abused her. And he accused him. And Potiphar had him thrown in prison. And he was there for years. And while he was there, uh, the Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker were also in prison. And they had dreams that Joseph interpreted. He had the gift of interpretation. And for one of them, the dream was that that person would be released. The other person would be executed. And both of those dreams happened as Joseph interpreted. So with the cupbearer, when he got released, Joseph said, hey, when you get in with the king, put in a good word for me. Remember me, I'm still here. When the cupbearer got out, he actually forgot about Joseph. Forgot about him for two more years. So eventually what happened is Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody could interpret it. He was very disturbed. But the cupbearer all of a sudden remembered Joseph. Yeah, that's the guy that got me out of prison. And so he said to his boss, I know a guy who can interpret dreams. So Pharaoh called Joseph. He interpreted the dream. It was about seven years of abundance, and then there would be seven years of famine, and that Pharaoh should appoint somebody to save up all the bumper crops in the first seven years for the famine in the latter seven years. And Pharaoh said, you're the man. And he appointed Joseph to be number two in the kingdom of Egypt. And he rose from obscurity to being very prominent, the number two person to carry out the plan for the food plan for all of Egypt and the surrounding region. That's where the story picks up that we're about to read. It says, during this time, when Joseph was number two in all of Egypt, it's referring to that time when he was doing the food plan. This is what we read. It says, during this time, 
before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife. Her name was Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah and the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. I want to take a look at these two sons and the names that Joseph gave them. The first son's name was Manasseh. Manasseh in Hebrew means causing to forget. Cause to forget. It's interesting the way Joseph puts it. In this passage, he says, the Lord caused me to forget. We might ask ourselves, well, how is that? How, how did God cause Joseph to forget all the pain that he had gone through? Because he went through a terrible experience. It was horrible. I mean, I've heard lots of stories, but this is like one of the worst cases of abuse and injustice that you can imagine. Joseph went through that. And it wasn't just in his childhood. It continued on into his adulthood. He lived a long time with injustice and abuse. It was terrible. And so how is it that God could cause him to forget all of that? And the reason is because when God blesses and when God heals, it is so good that the pain in comparison begins to disappear. I'll just give you an example. Think of a woman in childbirth. That is a traumatic experience. I remember when Terry gave birth to Tara, she was in labor for a couple days. And in the last 24 hours, she didn't sleep at all. By the time it came time to deliver, she was exhausted. And she began to pant, and her energy began to sink, and it got really low. And the doctor said, well, if she's not able to deliver this baby, we might have to do a C-section. And when she heard that, man, just something rose up within her and she said, no way, I'm going to push this baby out. (laughs) And she gathered up the last of her strength and gave it, you know, like the last mile in a marathon. And here she is today. (laughs) But you know, once Tara was born, it was like the pain of what had gone on for the last 48 hours just disappeared. All of a sudden, we were looking at her face And we were just in awe. We were like, wow. The only thing we could think of was just the blessing and the reward of having your firstborn. You know, we took her home that night, and I couldn't sleep. I just stayed up all night. And we just stared at her, laid her down in the bed between us, and just leaning on one elbow, just looking at her. I was like, whoa, it moves. (laughs) We were just amazed. That's what happened to Joseph. He had his firstborn. And all of a sudden, all the pain of the past just melted away and disappeared. And so he named him Manasseh, causing to forget. Did you know that God also forgets? That might sound like a logical inconsistency. I mean, isn't he the one who's all-knowing? Isn't God omniscient? How can the all-knowing, omniscient God forget? Does, Does it make sense? 
But I want us to read this next verse. God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And remembers your sins no more. It's not like God had an imperfection and a lapse in memory. It's that he is all-powerful and he can do anything he wants and he can choose not to remember something if he wants to. And he makes a promise to us that he chooses when we confess and receive his forgiveness through Jesus. He chooses to not remember them anymore. He separates them from you as far as east is from west. I mean, that's like forever. If you're traveling north, eventually you get to the top and now you're traveling south. Eventually you get to the bottom and now you're traveling north. But if you travel east, you will always be traveling east And if you travel west, you will always be traveling west. So when he says he separates our sin from us as far as east is from west, he's talking about infinity. And he will not bring it up again. It's called total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. You know, it's actually more effective to forget certain things. There is a cartoon by Charles Schultz, Charlie Brown. We'll put it up here. So Lucy comes up to Charlie and she says, Sorry, I missed that easy fly ball, manager. I thought I had it, but suddenly I remembered all the others that I've missed. And then she walks away and she goes, Well, I guess the past got in my eyes. You know, some of us are like Lucy. It's almost as if God sets us up sometimes and positions us to be able to catch a fly ball. And there's an opportunity that presents itself in our life And then if we start thinking about all the times that we didn't make it the last time, we can get our eye off the ball and we can miss the ball. Sometimes it's actually more effective to forget certain things in the past. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 6, he said, the mind set on the sinful nature is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. In other words, if you set your mind on the sinful nature, if you set your mind on sin, on sinful things, or the result of sin and sinful things, he says, that's just going to suck the life out of you. It's just going to tear you apart inside. It's no way to live. But if you will set your mind on the Spirit, and the Spirit, by the way, is the Spirit of forgiveness, the Spirit of unconditional love, then he says the result is life, and peace. Life and peace. Research indicates that forgetting can actually make you smarter. This is this year, June 21st, from the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research. A new review paper proposes that the goal of memory is not to transmit the most accurate information over time but to guide and optimize intelligent decision-making by only holding on to valuable information. That's a mouthful. In other words, the first function of the human brain is to filter out all stimuli that is unnecessary. You know, people who have a hard time concentrating, it's because they get distracted so easily. They pay attention to every little detail, whether it's sound or light or your own inner thought or feeling. There's so many distractions, they can't concentrate. 
Right now, you're listening to me. But if you were to pay attention to every little single thing, all the stimuli that's going on around you, it'd be very difficult to concentrate. The pressure on your seat, the lighting, the temperature, noises in the room, all of these things, things that you got to do later today, things that didn't happen in 2017. There could be so many distractions. It'd be very difficult to tune in and synchronize with what's happening in the present. Forgetting can actually make you smarter. There are certain things that are important to forget. We have to be able to filter out what is important to focus on and what isn't. You have to decide, am I going to focus on my failures and my shortcomings in 2017? Or am I going to focus on God's forgiveness? Am I going to focus on my mistakes? Or are you going to focus on the perfection of God? Are you going to focus on the pain of the past? Or are you going to focus on the healing presence of God? We have to choose what is it that we're going to pay attention to and what is it that we're going to forget. Because we all struggle with thoughts inside that are not from God. We struggle with all kinds of thoughts about ourselves, about life, about reality. I'll just give you a few examples. I made a list here. I'm not smart. I'll never get fixed. There's no hope for me. Just ask yourself if you've ever said any of these to yourself. Or I'm a liar. Or no one listens to me. I feel like I'm invisible. Or at least I wish I was. I wish I wasn't here. I wish I didn't exist. No one cares about me. I can't trust anyone. Nobody likes me. I'm a cheat. I'm ugly. I'm dumb. I'm no good. I don't deserve God's blessing. These are thoughts that are ungodly thoughts because these are inconsistent with the word of God. God has spoken over you when he created the world and he created mankind. His summary was, it is good. That's his original intention and his original design for who he created you to be. And you have special hope now that you're a Christian and Christ is in your life because he is restoring his original plan and his original design for your life. And he's not wanting us any longer to live in the old and to live in the past. No longer does he want us to do that. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God wants us to practice the discipline of forgetting. There are certain things that do not belong in your life. And if you could relate to any of those statements that were up on the screen earlier, those didn't come to you by yourself. Somebody planted that thought. Somebody planted that seed in your mind, and it took root in your heart. Paul said, when I was a child, I used to think and act like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. And as you grow spiritually, it's time to put away old things. It's time to identify what those are and say, you know what, Lord? Whoever that was that put that thought in my mind, I forgive them. And today I'm making a choice to come out of agreement with that because it is not true. It's a lie. And if it's a lie, 
then it's a sin. It's an ungodly thought. It's an ungodly lie that has somehow been harbored inside and taken root, and it does not belong there. One of the first things we need to do is recognize that. If you could relate to any of those statements, or if you had some of your own that came to mind, don't let those, don't forget those, by the way, not yet. The first step to victory and freedom is recognition. You've got to be able to identify it in order to have victory over it. And once we do, then we can forgive those who planted that thought or that seed in our lives and then say, God, I confess that it's there and I ask you to forgive me for believing it. Because we too have a responsibility, right? We just can't blame somebody else for my life. I did respond to whatever was given to me. Now, whether or not I believed it or accepted it was a choice that I had. And if it's there, then I believed it. And we need to ask God to forgive us for that and say, Lord, would you remove this from me? I recognize it's not consistent with your word. It's not consistent with your heart. It doesn't belong here. And so, Lord, I confess it. And I just take it to the cross with all the other sins that Jesus took to the cross. And he did that so that these sins could no longer have any influence in your life. So they would no longer have a place. They would no longer have any authority. They wouldn't have an influence in your thoughts, in your attitudes, and in your behavior, and in your responses. Jesus came to set us free. And so we need to forget the former things. It's very important that we practice this in our lives regularly. Because if we don't, we can look like this. This is a very sad story, very sad illustration. But it's very relevant here on Guam. How many of you know who is Yokoi? Raise your hand. Okay, some people, if you don't know, Yokoi was a sergeant in the Japanese Imperial Army that occupied Guam during World War II. He was hiding out in the jungles of Guam. And he didn't know that the war was over. They didn't find him in the jungles until 1972. He was hiding out for 28 years. You may have read about him in the history books, but he had a little cave underground where he lived and where he slept. He was near a stream of water where he would fish and get water. But imagine that, 28 years, living in an underground dirt hole underneath a bamboo patch. And just imagine the isolation. Imagine the loneliness Imagine the bare subsistence of just living on grass or whatever he could eat. 28 years of that. All because he didn't know that the war was over. That's a spiritual picture for many of us. We don't know that Jesus won the war on Calvary over sin. And for some of us... We are hiding out someplace in darkness, in isolation, in loneliness because we don't know that Jesus has won the battle and we can come out and there's victory and there's freedom. The first thing we have to do is recognize where we're at. Forgive those who tempted us to think and respond the way we did And then to reject those ungodly ideas, those ungodly thoughts, those ungodly responses, and ask the Lord to forgive us. 
We're learning how to practice the discipline of forgetfulness. And I'm talking about how to do it in a biblical way because the world has another way. And you don't want to do it the world's way. In the world's way, it's called denial. Your wife says to you, why do you always do that? You're like, do what? I don't do that. Yes, you do. No, I don't. And we go back and forth. You know, you're always like that. No, I'm not like that. Who says I'm like that? You know, and that happens on a daily and a weekly basis in the living room, in the kitchen, in the car. Because we're insecure and we don't know that there's a biblical solution. We don't know that Jesus has won the war. And so the only defense mechanism we have is denial. And so we minimize or we forget or we say it's not that bad or you're just overreacting or actually it's your fault that we're having this conversation right now. And those things go back and forth because of denial. Now, sometimes denial is a God-given gift. Sometimes people go through tremendous tragedy. And God allows them to forget for a time in order to survive, in order to cope, in order to make it to the next day. But there comes a time when there's enough healing and enough strength inside that the Holy Spirit will lead us to take a look at some things inside and to face those with the power of the cross and God's love and His grace, knowing that there is a real solution called forgiveness. And we have to practice the discipline of forgetting by learning to forgive. We have to forgive those who hurt us. And sometimes, and I find this to be even more difficult with most of us, We have to learn to forgive ourselves. Many times people say to me, yes, I know God forgives me. Or yes, I know she or he forgave me. But, nah, I can't go there. Because they have a hard time forgiving themselves. And I have to remind them, you know, when you don't forgive yourself, you may not realize it, but you're actually saying that you're a higher judge than God. God says he's forgiven you, but you're saying no. I decide not to forgive myself. And we need to come down off that throne, off that pedestal, and say, Lord, you forgave me. I choose to agree with you. I forgive myself. In order to practice the discipline of forgetting. In order to reach new horizons, you've got to lose sight of the shore. Sometimes people will stay in a certain lifestyle, a certain response, because it's familiar. You know, even though it's not healthy for me, I'd rather do this because I know what this is about. Over here, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's going to be like. It's kind of scary. I don't want to go there. But sometimes you're going to have to let go of the old in order to enter into the new. I remember I once had an old job, and the Lord was leading me to leave. And to be honest, I didn't want to leave. I was like a little kid. I had a little pity party inside. I said, Lord, why do I have to leave? It was like a little kid when you're someplace, I don't know, at the store, and you say, okay, son, we got to go. And he's like, I don't want to go. And, you know, he doesn't realize that you as a parent, you've got better things in store for him, man. There's a nice home-cooked meal, and he's got school, and he's got a future, and there's going to be girlfriends or boyfriends. He's going to get married and have a family and have a job and find his calling and his destiny and his purpose. There's so much more than hanging out here looking at your little toy at the store right now. And so I said, God, I don't want to go. 
And he said, no, some change needs to happen. And I remember just complaining inside, and I was like, I didn't want to go, but I said, okay. And now I look at where I'm at today, and I think, man, if I had stayed back there, stuck in that position, I'd be like the guy who never took the training wheels off his bike to learn how to ride on two wheels. God wants us to explore and to grow and to trust him by faith for the new things that he has for us. In order to live in your new identity, you need to let go of the old one, bring it to the cross, let it be brought to death to be destroyed, to no longer have any power, to have any influence. You have to let go of the old in order to embrace the new. Your new identity as God's son or as God's daughter. He's the king of kings. And as his son or daughter, that means you are royalty. And right now, even as I say that, that may sound foreign to some of you. And that just shows how new his new things are. But our minds need to be renewed. He wants to be the lifter of your head, the lifter of your countenance, and allow you to be able to walk in confidence and in faith because your heavenly Father is with you. Because he's with you. And too often, we're limited by fear. We're limited by the fear of the unknown. We're limited by the thoughts of the old and what we thought defined us and defined our life. But God wants to open our eyes and he wants us to be able to go into 2018, to go into the future, trusting him that he has good plans in store for each of you. All of this is practicing the discipline of forgetting. Remember, God forgets. He chooses not to remember. God doesn't want you to remember the pain of the past. He doesn't want you to live in the past, the lies of the past. He wants you to forget everything that is unhealthy for you. All the self-condemnation, the isolation, any guilt, any shame. He wants it all to be removed from your life. When you practice the discipline of forgetting, you will find that life is better. It's because Joseph did this. And by the way, it wasn't an easy thing for Joseph to do. You remember how he responded when his brothers first showed up on the scene. He was already number two in all of Egypt. And so these 11 guys, needy, hungry, sweaty from the desert, dirty, they come in looking for food. And he recognizes them and he doesn't show who he is. He's got all the Egyptian makeup and the different clothing. Besides, he's older now. He looks different. And he gives them a hard time. He says, what are you doing here? You guys are spies. And they go, no, 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 we're not spies. We're just here for food. And they start telling him about their past. And he goes, you're lying. No, no, we're not lying. He says, okay, if you really have a younger brother like you said you did, I'm going to keep one of you here in jail. You go back home with the food. Next time you come here, you bring that younger brother and show me that your story's true. Now, Joseph was dishing it out to these guys. After years of all the heartache that he went to, he was giving them a hard time. Imagine the fear and trembling that they were going through. The number two official in all of Egypt was imprisoning one of their brothers. They had to go all the way back home and come back just to prove their story. I mean, he was giving it to them double. And when they came back, he came to a point where he couldn't live with himself anymore. He was like, I'm tired of being hard. I'm tired of being mean. 
I'm tired of being isolated and distant from my own family. And finally he broke and he forgave them. And he said, come, come near, draw near. And he revealed who he really was. Joseph was able to forget the pain of his past because he had started the process of forgiveness. And as a result, God was able to help him forget. And then he gave him a second son. His name was Ephraim. Ephraim means, in Hebrew, Ephraim means double fruitfulness. And uh, I can imagine, you know, oftentimes when you name your kids, it's got special meaning for you. I mean, Menashe was a tremendous blessing to him. And he felt like God just blessed him and healed him so much he forgot about the pain of his past. Now he had another son. It was like a double portion. It was double blessing. He named him Ephraim, meaning double fruitfulness. And I believe it was a prophetic picture of what God was going to do through Joseph and the nation of Israel. It was a promise that God had given to Abraham generations ago. He said, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. And it was all part of God's plan to bring them down into Egypt where it was a land of plenty that they would be able to grow. And their population mushroomed to three million. And they became a great nation. And they just had this abundant fruitfulness as they grew as a people group. Being fruitful all depends on how you respond. How we respond to the past. We can remain in bitterness and unforgiveness and anger, which leads to darkness and depression. Paul said the mindset on the sinful nature is death. Or we can choose to forgive and be in sync with God and his spirit of forgiveness and the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. When you die to yourself and forgive the people who hurt you, and when you forgive yourself, you will die to the past and you will start a new life. You will have victory over your past. God will take your past and you will have authority to speak into other people's lives because you will be able to tell them, I was there. I know what that's like. Let me tell you what God did for me. You'll be able to speak from a position of experience. And when you do that, when you begin to give away what God has given you, you will become fruitful. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. In summary, this story about Joseph's two sons, it's about forget and be fruitful. Forget and be fruitful. As you go into 2018, I want to summarize it all by encouraging you to press on. Press on, keeping your eyes on the Lord, and practice the discipline of forgetting and forgiving. And as you do, you'll see that your life becomes fruitful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word that is life-giving. Lord, thank you for not leaving us trying to figure out how to make this all work. But your word has made it very clear what are the ways and the values of your kingdom. And God, I ask that you would impart your convictions and your values in our hearts and minds. That your word would not just be something we know about or hear about, but something that is real and alive within us. So Lord, help us to practice, help us to live out the discipline of forgetting. And Father, would you lead us into being fruitful? 
If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address another group here today. There may be some of you, as you're listening to me talk about God and about relating to God, that that's actually something that has piqued your interest because you sense that God's been trying to get your attention recently. And so you're here today because you're actually searching and you're wanting to experience God. And if that sounds like you, I want to give you an opportunity to express that desire to God that you want to experience Him. And all you have to do is is tell Him. It's called prayer. God hears. He knows everything. And He knows our hearts. And so the way we'll do that is I'll pray out loud. If you would like to experience God and you've never made a decision, a formal decision, to open up your life and say, God, I want to experience you then I want to give you that opportunity today. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, today I'm here standing in your presence saying yes. I'm saying yes to wanting to know you, wanting to experience you. So I'm making a decision to open my life and invite you to come in by your spirit. God, I ask that you would forgive me for things I've done, things that were hurtful to others, to myself. God, I ask that you would take all of those and remove them from me, remove any guilt associated with that. And I receive forgiveness from your son, Jesus. I thank you for what he did for me on the cross. I thank you that he took my place. And I accept your forgiveness. And I ask you to cleanse me and give me a new start. Lord, show me how to live. I've been doing it my way for a long time. But God, I'm ready for your way. And so I ask that you would reveal what that looks like to me. Teach me through others who know you, through the Bible, through your Holy Spirit. I ask that you would teach me and train me to be the person that you designed me to be. I ask all this in Jesus' name.